I'm very type A, I'm very driven. So I like to do hard things. I've been through painful experiences at work as a female executive, I've been through painful experiences as a runner and an athlete. I, you know, I had done all of the research around becoming a parent. I, I thought I was as well prepared as a human could possibly be. And I'm starting to get just filled with all of this shame and guilt because this is really challenging. It was at that time I decided to start Leva. And in January of this year, we launched what I consider our big flagship product, an app-based ecosystem and community that really puts the mom in the center of everything. My long-term vision is that we're supporting women across their entire life journey. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is a woman who has founded a really cool company. She is a thought leader in helping employers support and retain women in the workforce with this really cool cutting edge software. She's the CEO of Liba. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Vanessa Jupe. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Oh my goodness. Hi. Thank you. I love the energy. Can you just do all of my meeting calls, please? <laughs> God so bless. nice to meet you. Great to be with you as well. Thanks for coming on the show today. So let me tell you a little bit about the folks who listen to this show. These are the men and women that I think are society's greatest heroes because why they are the standard bearers for free enterprise. They are the entrepreneurs of our society. They're the ones who have a big dream and they go out there and do their darndest to make it happen. Despite all the naysayers, all the doubters, the craziness of the world, the craziness of our governments that are just throwing roadblocks in their way. And they come here on this show, not because of me, because I'm here every week, but because of you. They want to learn from you. They want to know how they can be better. They want the tips. They want the tricks. But before they can open their souls to you, their hearts to you, they got to get to know you. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Vanessa Jupy? Um, my backstory. So I started out as a web developer, thinking that I would just sit behind a computer and solve problems in code all day, every day, and be this comfortable little introvert. And life had other plans for me. I ended up moving into product management somewhat haphazardly. I thought I was still going to be doing web development, but the company I worked for, DirecTV, really needed somebody to lead their entertainment strategy for digital. And so I got that opportunity and really worked my way up in corporate America. I had a lot of really good success at DirecTV, at USAA, which is a huge financial services company, and then moving over to H&R Block to lead the do-it-yourself tax team. So leading these large teams with a lot of resources and everything, you know, everything's at your disposal at companies like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um 
And I kind of felt like that would be what I did forever. Like my career would just continue to be that, you know, it's stressful, it's challenging, it's rewarding. And I became a mom along the way. And this really changed my perspective on a lot of things. So I, you know, I had done all of the research around becoming a parent. I had gone to all the classes. I, I thought I was as well prepared as a human could possibly be. And my baby came I was very fortunate with my pregnancy, very fortunate with my gray. All of that was wonderful. I started to breastfeed him and go and get the checkups from in the, the midwife and um, lactation consultant. They were concerned because he wasn't gaining enough weight. And that was just a few days after his birth. Fast forward a week after his birth, and he still wasn't gaining enough weight. And I was then in severe, severe pain. And I always say, like, I'm very type A, I'm very driven. So I like to do hard things. I've been through painful experiences at work as a female executive. I've done painful, have been through painful experiences as a runner and an athlete and nothing prepared me for the pain of breastfeeding. I had no idea that it could hurt that badly. Picture a part of your body that's very sensitive and then picture like a ton of needles stabbing you in that part of your body. And that's exactly what it felt like. And it didn't just go away. I was like, oh my gosh, why? Um, so I tried to find answers and I started to reach out to experts. You know, I saw four or five different lactation consultants in San Antonio, Texas, which is where I was living at the time. I even went to see an OBGYN because I really wanted to talk to a medical doctor about this. I read everything I could possibly get my hands on online. And I did everything everyone was telling me to do and still nothing fixed the problem. And it was at that point where, you know, I'm reading like scientific articles. I'm reading mommy blogs. I'm reading community forums. And I'm starting to get just filled with all of this shame and guilt because this is really challenging and I can't figure out a way to make it work. And I really wanted a black or white answer. I wanted yes or no, can I breastfeed or not? And the world just doesn't work that way. And the information that was available wasn't, uh, wasn't written that way. So I was frustrated by the problem, but I also had a great career at the time. So I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to change what I'm doing and go solve this big problem. But I'll tell you a little bit more um, on why I knew it was a very big problem, aside from the fact that like there are these communities and stuff where people are talking about it. I ended up doing this research project for my grad school at the time where I put a survey online just asking for breastfeeding moms to come and give me their thoughts around breastfeeding. And if there was some way that they could know definitively whether they would produce a lot of milk or not and be able to successfully breastfeed, would they want that test? And in three days, I had 900 women take this survey, which is just like outstanding and incredible to get that kind of market validation that fast for no money. I paid no money for this. And uh, a little over 72% of the women that took the survey said, yes, they wanted something like this and they would pay handsomely for it. Again, it was just a project. It was set aside. Um, and then fast forward, I'm now leading this big team and everything's going great for my career. It's the summer of 2020. We've all been sent home. So everyone's stuck in their houses or apartments. And three of my friends became pregnant. And it was that moment that I realized I had to do something. Surprise, you know, surprise. Okay. During that time. Right? Right? <laughs> Absolutely. All the COVID babies. All the, yeah, I wonder what to them. do. I'm here alone with this person I love <laughs> and I'm very attracted to. Let me think. <laughs> exactly. Hey, everyone became closer in that way, right? Oh, goodness. So, but, but that was the moment. I was like, I can't just, I can't just sit aside and not try to solve this problem. Cause I can't imagine, like, I know what I went through and that was crappy and hard. I can't imagine being stuck at home and not feeling comfortable going out, not being able to have someone come in and just needing that support. So it was at that time I decided to start Leva and 
fast forward now, it's been two and a half years of uh, creating content, of product discovery, of building applications. And in January of this year, we launched what I consider our big flagship product, which is an app-based ecosystem and community that really puts the mom in the center of everything and supports her with all things related to becoming a new mom. So of course we cover breastfeeding because that is where my pain point started. But we also have questions around like physical fitness, baby's health, mom's mental health, which is a huge issue in general, but especially in America, which is where I'm from. Um, We actually have like terrible maternal health outcomes and we have three X the number of suicide attempts amongst pregnant and new moms than we did 10 years ago. So just really trying to look at where these problem areas are and create a holistic solution. So moms get the support they need and, uh, and have access to on-demand help as well as scheduling live one-on-one human help. So our app facilitates all of that and more. So that's the backstory and a little bit of what we're doing. Well, there's so many different directions that I could take the <laughs> questions I have. Um, but before you go there, I mean, um, my sons now are 17 and 15, but I remember with our first boy, uh, my ex-wife, her breasts hurt like crazy. Like she was in constant pain all the time. I mean, she gutted it out, but man, oh man, oh man. Uh, it, it was the second, second baby, not so bad, but the first one was crazy hard for her. So I can totally appreciate um, and understand your pain, and empathize with your pain. And God bless you for finding a way to... Um, serve other people. I mean, a lot of great entrepreneurial success stories come from a particular entrepreneur going through a pain point that they can't find a solution for and then finding out, hey, there's a lot of other people that have this pain point. Let's make this a business and let's help a lot more people along the way. So kudos to you for doing that. Um, before we get into the business and the thought leadership angle of it, I'd like to just, you, you know, speak to you like as a mom, because you you said that and I, and I just, I heard you light up. I became a mom. It was like, talk to me about that because yeah. I want to just tell you, I, I think that a lot of women are being sold a bill of goods, that there's something wrong with motherhood and it's bad and so forth. And I think there's that that's the most ridiculous, insane thing of all. And I just seeing you light up, please speak to that first and then we'll get into the business stuff. Yeah. I really am interested in, in that, like what you're hearing. Uh, I have a, a, I'm very fortunate in that I have friends that are in various age groups. And to your point, like the ladies that are in my friend group that are in their twenties and thirties are very like, I'm not having kids, right? That's, that's the mindset that they have right now because they don't feel like they can be successful. You know, they don't feel like they can have that fulfilling life that they want. They're very, very ambitious and career driven. And I understand, I feel like that is, and I'll just, again, I can't speak to, to Canada, um, I do think it's similar and as far as America and Canada go, but you know, there are a lot of other countries that have different benefits and different solutions in place that really support parents better than we do in the States. And so I do think it's a challenge. Um, For me personally, I have always been very much a workaholic. Like I put a hundred percent into everything I do. And, and in a way it's not good, you know, because I'm working all hours. I'm kind of crazy obsessed with what I'm doing. So the parenthood thing was a very conscious decision for me. It wasn't just like, oh, it was an accident. It happened or whatever, you know, like a lot of people do, which is great. What works for you. But for me, I was in my mid thirties and I decided along with my husband that I really wanted something else out of life. I wanted something more. And we had gone through all of those big events. We had, you know, we'd gotten married. We'd gone on the vacations. We bought the house. We'd become successful in our careers. 
And, and I was like, well, this is great. I love my life. Like I could go for the next, you know, 40, 50, 60 years, however long I have on the earth with this being what our life is, or we could have a baby and raise them in a really positive way because thankfully we have access to, you know, we, we are financially stable and all of those things. Um, and we could also experience all of those joyful moments from a different perspective and probably have a much richer life and not have everything completely about work, uh, which was again, like I said, I fell into that trap and it was a hundred percent accurate. Like my son Roosevelt is six years old. Now he just had a birthday, um, 11 days ago. And he like just seeing him smile, seeing him learn all the things he's interested in being able to like sit with him and work on those things together and help him like discover how good he is at things and help him support his interests has been amazingly rewarding and such a game changer as far as like what's important in life. So he's selfish, you know, it was definitely a selfish decision. Well, I guess at one level it is, at another level, it's the most selfless decision a human being can make because essentially you're making somebody else far more important than you for the rest of your life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. And essentially. But I thank you for saying that because, uh, you know, if there's young women that are listening to this, being a mom's awesome and the, mm -hmm. the society is selling you a bill of goods, telling you, oh, no, 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 take your career on first. I'm not saying don't have a career or anything like that. You got to make the decisions that work for you. But my mother, um, my mother was a woman who, you know, was a career woman back in her day in the in the 60s. Uh, you know, I was born in 67 in the 70s. Like, I mean, she worked and this oh, is yeah. Ron, right? Like totally a career woman. But right now she's in her early 80s. She's not working and what lights her up is that she's got three sons, that she's got six grandchildren and that they came from her. That's her contribution, her legacy to the world. And I just want women to see that there is everything right about that. There's everything right about bringing life into the world. It's a unique thing that women do. You know, men mm -hmm. certainly can't do it. And it's a beautiful thing for women to experience. And I think it's a tragedy when they don't, when they buy into the crappy narratives that are being thrown out in the last 50, 60 years that are against mm -hmm. that. So kudos to you for doing it and for lighting up when you speak about your son and your birth. And, um, God had plans for you, obviously, because he gave you some good <laughs> adversity to deal with as well, right? And that's yeah, absolutely. Speak about adversity. So last Friday, and I really encourage you and all my listeners to listen to that episode, episode 485, was the three levels of gratitude. And in that episode, we went deeply into the three levels of gratitude. And this comes from my my mentor, my teacher, my uh, my uh, my guide. Mark von Muser, and he talks about it's important to be grateful at three levels. And he said, level number one is you got to be grateful for what you actually have. So, you know, I'm grateful for the shirt, you know, Canada on there, I'm Canadian, I'm grateful that it, it's, it's, it's a really comfortable shirt. It really fits well. You know, I like how I feel in it. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, I found a really great coach this year, February 7th to today, I've gone down from 227 to 184. I'm super grateful that I found this fellow and he helped me get there. You can see all the books in my library. I'm grateful I've got over 4,000 books in my library. So I'm grateful. Then he said the second level of gratitude is for what you want to create, you know? So I'm grateful for 
creating a, a thought leader business that's that's uh, going to hit seven figures and is hitting seven figures. I'm grateful that I'm getting to interview and work with amazing CEOs and thought leaders like yourself and, and building relationships with them. I'm grateful for that. And I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that um, my son's uh, signing as a professional soccer player in Europe. You know what I mean? So I think that's pretty cool. So these are the things that I'm creating and haven't happened, but I speak like they're happening. And then the final level of gratitude is for my adversities. And this is, this is tough uh, sometimes to think about, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that my ex-wife uh, kicked, uh, kicked my butt to the curb and made me look at how I wasn't stepping up as a man and as a husband. I'm grateful that I've had some uh, business failures because they've, made me learn how to be a better businessman and move forward and that sort of thing. And I think everybody needs to think of gratitude in this fashion. Your adversity, this horrible experience with breastfeeding, how are you grateful for it? If you wouldn't mind just getting into that in some detail for us. Yeah, I love that. I love your examples too. We have a practice of gratitude in our house, um, which is very simple, but like every night, when my kid goes to bed, we, we write down what we're grateful for about that day, you know, just in those moments, just to reflect and remember that there's always something positive that you can appreciate about your day. Um, yeah, I, I mean, poof, that was a really hard time. And it was one of those things that like, you know, there's the superficial level, not superficial, but I guess the obvious level of this is painful and it's hard. And I got through it. You know, I found a path through it. So I'm resilient. I'm grateful for that. I feel like I understand myself better. And I realize that I can do all kinds of hard things that are mentally and physically challenging. And I am very grateful for having had that experience, even though there wasn't a black or white answer. Like it also helps me appreciate that that's just how the world actually is. Like there's a lot of gray, not everything is mathematical and scientific and logic based. There's a lot of gray out there that we just don't know yet. Um, I'm thankful for having that different perspective on life and even more so being able to build something to support other people. Because if I hadn't gone through that, you know, there's so much taking a step back. There's so much in women's health that we're, we just don't know. We don't understand it well enough for a very long time. You probably know this, like women were not, not utilized in scientific study because their hormones made things difficult to control. And so the science, the results and the outcomes were harder to predict. Um, so basically 51% of the population was kind of like, oh, we're not going to study you. It's a little bit more challenging. We're going to study men and then we're going to apply that. So for a very long time, like women's heart disease, uh, heart attacks, all that was really difficult to know when women were having a heart attack because their symptoms are so different from a man's. And in general, sure. women's health is kind of oh, very different. Yeah. They don't have the stabbing pain down the arm. It feels more like, um, like, like if you have gas sometimes in your chest, that kind of painful oh, wow. pain, it's a different, very different feeling. It, and you kind of get a little dizzy. It's just very different for women than it is for men. And for the long time, we just didn't know that, you know, it wasn't taught in school. I certainly didn't learn it in school. Um, and like menopause is also one of those things, like all these things that are very unique to women aren't studied as well or are shared as well. So there's a lot of good, I think we can do in the world and I can do in the world by being able to help bring some of this information to other people. And I've been also during this process have discovered a fantastic research university in Australia that's doing cutting edge research around breastfeeding. Um, but they haven't been able to like truly bring it to market in mass yet, like what they've learned. Um, and so I'm partnering with one of the researchers there to help make sure that the information that they're discovering 
is in our app on our website and making it making it to women and hopefully supporting them in a better way. So it's exciting, you know. Yeah, that's that's really. I I, know, I didn't know that about the heart attacks. Um, that's yeah. interesting. I, I didn't realize that there was you know you know, man woman yeah. oh. in heart attack symptoms. I mean, it just yeah. Wow. Well, another thing on that on that same topic that's so fascinating. There's a podcast called Ninety Nine Percent Invisible, and there's an episode called Invisible Women. And the there's a, a lady that they interview in that podcast that has written a book about all of these topics that just were like women weren't leveraged in the research, and one of them is actually car safety. So crash test dummies um, are male yeah, like in proportion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so if you look at the statistics around like severe injuries and deaths in car accidents, it's largely females that end up dying and getting hurt severely because they, the cars aren't made for them. And if a woman was ever, if a crash test dummy female figure was ever tested, it was always in the passenger seat. So the way that the seat, the steering wheel actually impacts a woman is far, far more dangerous than for a man. So it's just fascinating the things that when we don't test on a population, what happens. You know, it would seem that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it would also be really smart for them to do those sorts, uh, sorts of tests for children, right? Of various ages mm. and sizes as they move through. So, yeah, 100%. Oh, well, shit, I'm learning something good here. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. interesting. So, I'm writing a book. We haven't started the writing, but we've we've put a book proposal and we put it in front of a publisher and either this publisher is going to accept it. We're going to do a deal with them or me and my co-author are going to write the book ourselves and, and maybe take it to another publisher or self-publish it. But it's a book on sleep. And I've got about 15 books on sleep that I've got. My co-author is Colonel Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, U S army Rangers retired. Have you oh, heard cool. of Colonel Grossman? Do you know who he is? I haven't. No. So Colonel Grossman, um, obviously, he's a you know, veteran of the United States Army Rangers, um, but he has become, over the last 25 years, one of the world's leading thought leaders on issues of relevance and importance to the military and law enforcement communities. He's uh, delivered lectures at West Point, at the... Uh, uh, U.S., uh, the Virginia Military Institute, the Citadel, all the major the FBI, FBI school, Quantico. His most famous book is called On Killing. On Killing mm -hmm. was written and published in 1998. It's, it's still his best-selling book. Sold, I think, half a million plus copies in the United States and then probably as many in the rest of the world. Was a study of the impact of a member of the military or law enforcement when they were forced to take a human life, right? Oh, wow. And you can imagine that this is a troubling area. And a lot of people didn't study it because who wants to study this, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. But, but Colonel Grossman studied this and then he studied combat. So he wrote on combat and then he studied on spiritual combat because he's a devout Christian. And then he started to, to delve deeply on the impact of this sort of thing on marriages. So he wrote a book on, on uh, called Bulletproof Marriage. He's written a whole bunch of books with, you know, themes that are relevant to the law enforcement and military community, but also, you know, uh, some Christian themes as well. And 
he and I, he, I was interviewing him on my podcast uh, back in December, and he was talking about sleep deprivation and the impact yeah. of sleep deprivation on everybody. But I mean, you know, military law enforcement, right? Because those folks yeah. sometimes work 48 hours straight, no sleep, caffeinated up the yin yang and all that. And so you know, on the episode, I said, I know what your next book's going to be. He said, what? I said, it's going to be called On Sleep, and I'm going to be your co-author because a co-author. I love it. People. So we are going to be writing this book, and I would like to have us speak with you to see if we can team up with you and get some of our findings in our book into your ecosystem. And I think it'd be valuable for your people. I think it could be valuable for us for getting the word out about the book to an audience of interested people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, you know, parents struggle with sleep. Like that is breastfeeding for moms, but like sleep for parents is a huge issue. Oh my! One of the top issues. Yeah. Yeah. You you probably went through it with your kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure we did. Sure we did. It was huge. It was huge. But I I, I thought it was thought it was great. Um, So you've started the company. You've got the app out right now. Mm -hmm. What's your vision here for how this is going to help moms? My my vision. Well, my my long term vision is that we're supporting women across their entire life journey. So beginning with, you know, college age, probably like graduating, trying to figure out what to do with your life all the way through dealing with menopause, which is a massive hormonal change and then retirement um, because women have unique needs. They outlive men. A lot of times they don't know their financial situation. So my goal long-term is to have um, services and products to support that entire lifespan. But for now, uh, becoming a new parent is crazy life-changing. And it's almost like everything's going about normally. And then one day you have the baby, even if you're pregnant and you're expecting it, you have the baby and boom, everything changes all at once. And there is just not nearly enough support uh, in our area of the world for new parents. Um, Other countries have better support structures. They actually have nurses that come and check on you for a couple of weeks after the baby comes home. So they're helping you with breastfeeding. They're helping you with cleaning. They're making sure you're physically healing. And they're also looking out for those like mental and emotional issues that you may not be aware of. But here, a lot of women are suffering from postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, uh, and it's not diagnosed. And so my goal is for us to be a resource so that women are getting that help that they need across the board um, within that first year of their baby's life. So they get the treatment, they get the support, they don't end up being a negative statistic around having to drop out of the workforce or God forbid, you know, something worse happening where they feel like they can't, they can't go on anymore. So. So my hope is to have a meaningful impact in those areas. I think, you know, I don't know if you've thought of this. You, you, you probably or you may have, but let, let me throw it out there. It would be valuable for you to create some component of community for these women to be able to mm-hmm. communicate with each other about these issues. Uh, and I think the biggest inside my work, I tell entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone and be around people that can answer questions for you, help guide you, help coach you. Don't do it alone. And I'm thinking for women going through this change, you need to have a similar mantra, right? Don't do it alone. Be around other women that have gone through this. Listen to them. Yeah, absolutely. All of that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is actually like the number one thing that that women want, like they want that community. And it is a hundred percent something that we actually have a community already that's on Facebook, but we're going to migrate it into the app this year. So 
You see, yeah. I, I um, without getting into it too much, I yeah, Facebook Meta, that organization, yeah. it's just they're not, they're there to take your data and sell. That's really yeah. what they're there for. The original mission, God bless them, they're not, they're not fulfilling it anymore. And I, I think you need to have all your communities in your own uh, ecosystem. Yeah. Have to, have to. I agree. I totally agree. And and honestly, like the other side of this that we haven't talked about yet, but you'll probably appreciate is a lot of the um, companies we've spoken with because we're offering this as a benefit to companies and moms that we've spoken with are like, well, are you going to cover dads? Like, what about the dad? You know, don't they need help too? And we've spoken with a bunch of dads and the number one thing that they're also saying is, I don't know how to connect with other dads. You know, it's like such a sad thing because it's like dads, you know, they are guys in general. They, they joke with each other. They banter, you know, their friendships are really like lighthearted for the most part. There's like a lack of like ability to connect deeply and really talk about things that are worrisome. So we're starting to look into that too, as well as how can we support the other part of the equation? So we should talk about this offline, but mm-hmm. I believe this is a society systemic wide issue that's been going on since 1965 in the West, to be sure, men are, um, for a variety of reasons, you know, men getting together has been frowned upon, looked, looked upon badly. Most men today don't have a single real friend. We've got a lot yeah. of yes, friends, but not one real friend. So um, that was part of what led to me uh, having my marriage break up is I didn't have good men around me giving me advice about, you know, things not to do with my wife and things to do. And so, you know, I did a lot of things wrong that I thought were right and vice versa. And so I joined a men's group that a, uh, a man ran and um, I helped put 60 men into men's work and helped save about 30 marriages from divorce as a result of that. So right now I run a men's organization called The Sovereign Man. And we're all about helping men uh, be around other men in what we call a masculine environment so that they have a chance to have their masculine side come out because you need to. It doesn't come out around your family and it shouldn't, you know, quite frankly, in, in, in most ways. Can't come out around work. Work right now is, you know, you've got men and women around work and there's things that are appropriate and things that are not. But you need to be around a bunch of men you can just be yourself and you can say shit and do shit it's not going to get you in trouble but it's very natural to being a man very natural very normal to being a man and it's kind of blowing off steam and learning how to you know iron sharpening iron and all that so we this exists there are men that are doing this there are groups that are doing this uh but it needs to grow like i'd say globally there's fewer than 10 million men that are part of things like this and if you yeah. think that there are almost four billion men in the world that's insane like if we get to a hundred million men globally i think that'll start to make a dent in some of the big issues that most men are dealing with right now in the world so yeah well it's great to hear that you're doing good work about it yeah yeah so anyways we could we could talk about some things we could bring in terms of like content and bringing people to the table because Biggest thing men need is they need to be around other men they can trust. Man, you can have a real conversation with. Like, you know, if uh, yeah. um, if your uh, marriage is in trouble, what am I going to do? How can I save this? How can I turn this around? Or uh, 
you know, your marriage is in trouble and some girl's giving you the eye and you're thinking, I'm thinking of cheating. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> but you know what right. I mean? You got to be able to be around somebody who can talk you through that. Uh, or your kid's doing drugs. Well, how do I deal with that? You need to have that conversation with somebody that can help you get past that. All those things are important. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Women are much better at um, staying in community right now than men are. And we need to change mm -hmm. that. No question about it. But I think yeah. it's good that you're doing this. I think what you're doing is important and it's good. And um, I'm glad that your, um, your company is getting some traction. And I wish you yeah. all the success in the world with uh, making it happen. So if people want to find out more about your company or they want to check out your app or they're working for a company and they want to have their company do that, what's the best way? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is www.levaapp.com and we are at Leva app on every social media platform that you can think of. Probably the best way to find us is on LinkedIn. Levaapp.com. All right. And at Leva app. I love it. Beautiful. So look, we like to end off each episode by asking you as our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps? These are your three best bulletproof pieces of advice that you can give our listener to take their business or their life to a new level. So what say you? Yeah, I would say like the number one thing is to have a plan and be open to changing the plan and reevaluating it. So one of the things that I did because I turned 40 a couple of years ago uh, and it was a big number, obviously that's a big decade. So I asked my husband, who is a UX design leader to put together a workshop for us so we could plan the next 10 years of our life. So we could look back at age 50 and say, did we achieve the things that we wanted professionally, personally, um, for fun, you know, what were those things? And we actually sat for a few, four hours um, doing this exercise of brainstorming, like what was great for the last 10 years? What, you know, what would be great for the next 10 years? And it's not like every single day, do we look at it and make sure we're doing those things, but it's been an amazing guide to help us prioritize things appropriately. So in your personal life and your professional life, have a plan and be open to adjusting your plan, but make sure that every now and then you're checking in and you're living your life along with your plan. I think the other thing that's similar is like knowing what your true values are because it's so easy to get distracted. Uh, it's so easy to chase after that like shiny thing or to grind so hard, especially as an entrepreneur, you know, oh my God, I'm working eight, 60, 80 hours a week, whatever. Um, truly, is that what your top values are? For me, my top values are freedom, family, and continuous learning. So if I'm not making time to to have fun and spend time with my family, to go on a road trip, to go on a, a trip in, in general, to go like explore the world. Or if I'm not making time for just reading or listening to podcasts, then I'm not, I'm not truly developing myself the way that I want to. So making sure you're really clear about what your values are and you're living your life aligned with those, I think would be another um, number two, probably piece of advice. And number three is you're not going to know it all. And that has been super duper hard for me. Uh, going from a world of being like, you know, digital product person where, and like also the business side of things where I kind of like grew in my career and I knew all of these things. And I was really deep at that, that, that area of my business now starting my own business and realizing, man, there's a lot of legal and compliance things. I don't know. You know, there's a, a ton of sales stuff that I don't know. Like I've been learning so much and I've been learning by talking to other people and also like leaning on other people to help fill in the, the gap. So being okay with like, it's going to be a work in progress and you're going to be learning constantly and it's okay to not know it all because there's somebody out there that does and they're going to be great. Yeah. 
Yeah, these are great expert action steps. I wrote them all down. Have a plan. I think that's good. That workshop that you and your husband did, that's a great idea. I mean, in my mind, it sparked, you know, I work with my lady in our business, and I think this would be a cool thing for us to do for ourselves, but also to offer it to couples that are in business. Oh, yeah. Say, as a uh, as an as an offering as a way to say look you you folks are in business together and in life together let's let's have you go through a um a 10-year success planning uh um session and this will really help you get clear on some of the things that matter i think this is great um identify your values i think that's really important for me one of my key um Achilles heels has been getting distracted by things and I'm getting better at it, but definitely this is an area that not just myself, but everybody ought to continuously look at what their values are and, and live from your values. That's important. And mm-hmm. you're definitely not going to know it all. And you definitely need help hundred percent. Don't yeah. do it. That's my mantra. So <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. So Vanessa, thank you so much for, uh, you know, coming on the show. You've been absolutely awesome. Uh, definitely you and I will stay in touch. And as you move forward through your journey, we'll have you back on the show. I think this has been great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. So listener, Vanessa Jupy is the real deal. Check out her, her app, check out uh, her work. There's a lot you can learn from if you are a woman who is breastfeeding or you have a woman in your family who's breastfeeding, you definitely want to get them to check out the app and to learn about how they can um, be supported throughout this absolutely life-changing journey and do it in a way that allows you to, um, well, be a lot more comfortable than Vanessa was when she went through it. (laughs) Let's say that. And, and, and frankly, be a service to families and moms and dads. I think that's a beautiful thing. So make sure that you do that, listener. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Vanessa Jupy, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode, be it iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or what have you. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.